Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple couples watch Doctor Who for the very first time. My name is Jake, we are Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex, and producer Terry. This week we're here to talk about Knock Knock, written by Mike Bartlett, directed by Bill Anderson, aired May 6, 2017. Jill. Yes. What'd you think of this one? I liked a lot. I liked the spoop, awesome. and I liked the story. I like the ending. It was all good. Terry. I really enjoyed it. Uh, the The whole creepiness of the entire thing was just spot on. And everyone was like pretty well-developed characters. There wasn't any like just two-dimensional people. Hold on. If you're going to say creepy, you have to say spoopy. It's the, rule of the podcast. You have protocols here, Terry. Sam? Uh, Bill's adventures are getting better and better. I enjoyed it. It was really good. And it was spoopy in a good way. Yes. Not in the bad way like the um, water Heather girl. Cody? I I thought it was on the good side of meh. The writing is... <laughs> kind of yeah. nonsense but it's kind of, it's saved by really good acting well to seal uh the rating system of our friends over at neither the time nor the space they go by good episode bad episode good with bad bits bad with good bits or i had no emotional attachment to this at all <laughs> that's my favorite it's a good rating which one would you say i would say uh good with bad bits Alex. I like this episode. Uh, it's like the one that I think of when I think of Bill. Like it's, I feel like this is where like the wheelhouse got swung into on this episode for Bill. It's really good. Interesting. I would say when I think of Bill, I think of mostly of the ones we haven't seen yet, but when it comes to, these first four episodes it's always like that outfit she wears on in thin ice is always like the picture in my head mm. but uh that's cool jake uh yeah what do you think uh i was bored as fuck by this episode today <laughs> oh no <laughs> i think the first time i saw it i was kind of like meh there's like some cool parts and i don't know if it was just my mood today or what but I like I wrote down two notes and the last one is mean. <laughs> so I guess uh I just wasn't feeling it today. Oh, that's perfect. I could be very well convinced that it's a bad episode. I'm ready. Well, before we bring it down, why don't you guys give me some good stuff? Uh so the the dude who plays the kid that has like the psycho uh like this is ripped straight out of Psycho. That is what I'm trying to get across, what? but I can't think of the English language. What? What is the dude has an unhealthy fixation with his mother? That's because his mom turned into a tree when he was seven. Yeah, <laughs> I would. Well, he would did that, and he was fine Psycho. with it. Like he saw her arm turn into wood. He's like, yeah, yeah, this is fine. More, more tree. <laughs> Jesus. Make my mom more into a tree. And he did. And he just brought people into his creepy fucking house and murdered them. Straight murder. It's kid 20 years. Who seemed like he had a decent upbringing, sort of. But no, he's a murderer for his mom. I'll give you all that, but you can't say it's ripped off from Psycho because it's nothing like Psycho. It's not enough like Psycho. I'll agree with that. Mommy issues is, I mean, that's, that's most accurate. Yeah, that's Darth Vader. Is it? 
yeah, he couldn't save his mom from the sand people, so he murdered everybody, and that was like step one to go into the dark side. Oh, I forget about that. Yeah. And then he replaces his mom with Natalie Portman and vows that he's going to become super powerful so he can protect her. Yeah. Anyway. I The bug thing seems... I don't like it. I want it to be something else. <laughs> I'm 100% with you. Like, I wish it was like 30% spoopier than it is. And right. yeah. it seems like we find out it's just like bugs in the wall way too fast. And the was bugs it fast? Are... I thought it was like 30, 40 minutes by the time we saw the first one. Yeah, it did yeah. not feel fast. It not was fast. forever. Yeah. Well, I, I'd say fast compared to the point where we start realizing there's a problem. Like, apart from that very first boy who dies in the opening, or, the, like, the first night in the house, the other shit doesn't start going down until the second half of the episode. And then all of the other four kids die immediately. Or I guess they all come back to life at the end. <laughs> it's like all the scariness of them being picked off one by one happens in three and a half minutes. I think that all makes sense to the story, though, because he's, like, luring them in, which, by the way, they're all really stupid for just, like, yeah, cool, big house, weird man, that's fine. But they're luring, like he's luring them in and letting them get settled and then summoning the bugs, which I think makes perfect sense. Like you wouldn't want them yeah, to yeah. see the bugs immediately, otherwise they'd immediately leave. Right, and Alice could back me up on this. My favorite part of horror movies is the beginning when everyone's like packing to go to the cabin for the weekend. And like them all finding a house, getting settled in, meeting uh Suchet and all that is great but then when the horror starts there's only 15 minutes left in the episode so either spread it out or make it a two-parter or, or just a it was also really short it was only 43 minutes should have been a two-parter jake's calling Damn, for a two-parter no, like, how, how long into the pod before we called for two-parter <laughs> no. I, I take it back. I don't think it should have been a two-parter. I think it should have been at least 50 minutes. Like, if it was seven minutes longer, I think it really would have helped. Yeah. Yeah. That, that scene they did with the dude that was halfway in the wall, just because the record kept constantly playing over and over, I thought that was a pretty good spoopy scene. I loved that scene. I really yeah. wish we could have seen more of that, rather than... Uh, people just being covered in the bugs and then just and then disappearing. Yeah, like, those that were really kind of sucked. But I liked like when uh, Harry was trying to run up the stairs and then the stair like clapped down on his leg like a bear trap. Like that's super fun. Like I wish more <laughs> of that stuff happened. No, okay, so that yeah. was fun, but that was fucking nonsense. Speaking of ripping off movies, that's very very Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah, I suppose. I would not know. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Same. Uh, they run up the stairs in their dream, and the stairs turn into like, like uh, marshmallow, and they like it's all gooey, and they step right through the stairs and get stuck. God, that's creepy, dude. Man, those slashers, those old school slashers, they knew how to spook you. <laughs> oh yeah, wooden stairs are just the creepiest. They're the creakiest. Boo. Uh... No, what? No, boo you. That's a great joke. <laughs> Um, I, I did enjoy kind of the opening sequence of this episode. It was really fast, but it really set up the whole tone and what this episode is going to be like in like five minutes. Like the whole Bill meeting people and then them going on an adventure to find an apartment. And then uh, the first guy moving in and then getting sucked in. And then it was like credits. I thought that was great. It was it was so fast, but it like set it all up. We understood everything, and like yeah. you got a feeling for all the extra characters. Like it was it was so nice. Uh, going back, first guy, I love how everyone's just like, oh yeah, he often just locks himself in his room for days. <laughs> I'm just like, why are you friends with this guy? He's right. a fucking weirdo. Also, why don't you get him help? Like he needs help if he's doing that. <laughs> They're not really all friends previously, right? Like some of them. It seemed like Bill didn't really know any of them. No, she's Shireen was her friend, and Shireen was friends with those other people, but oh, Bill okay. didn't know those other people. Got and it. so Shireen brought her on and was like, hey, these are this is the rest of the gang. 
and they they even talk about a little where like they were going to have their rooms next to each other and you know bill's kind of getting a little self-conscious about her level of friendship versus shireen's and the other people uh i have a question for all of you why is bill friends with any of these people they're all fucking idiots <laughs> that's an excellent question it makes no sense this episode well, got me plot. thinking about how weird it is like all of us at that time in our lives we left home and lived with people we barely knew like seeing bill uh, just me. meet these people and then be like yeah i'll live in a house with five other people i don't know it's like why but then i was thinking is like that's yeah. exactly what college is like you go to college you get into a dorm room with someone you've never met before and it's just i don't know you're rolling the dice <laughs> it's just yeah, it's, it's a just roulette. a weird thing to think about even after college like when people who move into cities where it's crazy expensive to live and just like grab a note that's on the bulletin board at the grocery store of like someone looking for a roommate and you just go live with that stranger who is obviously insane because they put a piece of paper on a billboard at a grocery store yeah i liked how uh in the beginning of this episode as well uh you got to see bill actually trying to live her life and it was more the doctor was like trying to stay with her and connect with her whereas most of the time we've seen that as the other way around where the companion is like trying to stay with the doctor with whatever he's doing. And yeah. she was like, no, go away. I am living my life. What are you doing? I didn't like that. I didn't either. No, I felt it oh. felt like she was using him in a way and was like, okay, I'm done with you later. Don't need you anymore. Yeah. Like just move my stuff and get out of here. Well, it also yeah. felt like that thing. I Like, and I just kept thinking of college, but where it's like you you're moving all your stuff, you move it into the dorm room and then like your family's just hanging out like, hey, so what's uh, what's going on now? And then like as the student, you're just like, okay, go away. I want to make friends and I want you to be weird. Right. Like it's <laughs> it's like that uh, parents dropping off their kids in like fifth grade or whatever. And they're like, just leave. You don't need to walk me into school anymore. Please go away. <laughs> and for our overseas friends, when we say college, we mean university. <laughs> and when you I said fifth grade, short. I mean primary school. <laughs> Who would have ever believed that he was her grandpa, though? Like, that was a oh terrible God. lie she kept <laughs> trying to That whole push. thing was so funny. And that was just mean. Like, I felt like she was just mean. I don't know. Well, I have he's, a... like, super old looking, but he doesn't feel old. And <laughs> super it's like, old looking. could be your father. I was like, and it's I like, disagree. I think he's medium I... old looking, and he's yes. a lot older than he actually looks. When, so. when he shot this, he's like 56. Yeah. yeah, I know, but it's like the whole, like, with the gray and hair she's... and just his, the texture of his face and everything, like, she is young. The texture and... of his face. I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> I know what you mean. The wrinkles. I just you. don't think he has, I just don't think he looks that old. I don't think so either. He looks older than yeah. my dad looks now. Nuh-uh. Yeah. For Not sure. True. Yes. I think he, he was 59. He looks absolutely ancient, and I'm 100% on board with Terry and the texture of his face. Just zoom in. That guy's got wrinkles as far as hey, your eye can see. We're in HD now. You got to give him a little bit of a break here. You guys are forgetting Capaldi is a rock star. He got in on that lifestyle, and it took his toll on all of his <laughs> When Alex, if your dad had hair and it was gray, he would look older than this dude that's what i'm saying like my like no, the fact said... that he has gray hair and is wrinkly like that may, uh, makes him appear older <laughs> than he actually is but you said your dad when he shot this younger. go ahead no i i said yeah da my dad looks younger than the doctor right now no he doesn't still disagree because he doesn't have gray <laughs> hair and he's not like super wrinkled like i mean that that's really the only two things mm. Like, they both bumble uh, around like they don't have good joints anymore, but whatever. <laughs> well, when he shot this, he was one year younger than my mom is right now. And my mom has a grandson who's Bill's age. But in order for that to happen, she had to have a kid when she was 16. And that kid had to have a kid when he was 22. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be ridiculous for him to be her dad. No, 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 that would have been a lot more believable. 
Agreed. I just thought it was funny the doctor took offense to being a grandfather when he yeah. was in fact a grandfather. <laughs> yeah, and William Hartnell, who played the first doctor, was younger than Peter Capaldi was when he played right. the doctor at this point. Yeah. I really liked the reveal at the end where uh, Suche was actually the son of the wooden lady rather than the dad. Yeah, did you guys see that coming? Nope, no. That like it that's the most left field I think this show has ever been. Like there's a lot of cliche shit that as soon as you hear it you're like, "Oh, okay." Somebody mentioned like, "Oh, there's going to be a creepy bookcase." The second I fucking heard that, I was like, "That's coming back. They're going to find a book. It's going to open up a secret tunnel." There's a lot of that. And they didn't so much as even whisper that this dude was her <laughs> kid. Like they even showed like a picture of her potentially that but no you would kid, have to no be some sort there. of savant yeah, yeah i i really well, like that turnaround to put together i mean before that scene the doctor and harry are going through all that those boxes They're like oh it's been happening every 20 years for 70 years or whatever it is and at that point you should be like well that dude's not 118 years old right and i also loved how the doctor didn't fully realize it until Bill said it. Be like, well, he's not Woody. And yeah. just just his face be like realizing like, oh, you're right. And then I, I missed the line he said, but it was something like there's no bats in your bell tower or something like that. Verbatim. No flies on you. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> no bats uh, in your bell tower. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Let's frame. keep that. <laughs> <laughs> My note on that scene is the big revelation is that two characters we don't know or care about have a slightly different relationship than we thought they did. Woohoo. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the way that uh, they acted it in that scene was just phenomenal of just the like going from this stern man to like the emotional sense of like, this is my mom. I'm now like an eight year old again kind of feel of just like I need to protect you you're here for me like I'm doing this to save you and then her decision to go like I need to end this you have you've been a bad child and like she takes both their lives but it, it's just the whole like emotional uh suspense and draining and everything in that whole thing was just wonderful to watch and envelop yeah it got real dark very very spooky, fast very, not <laughs> spooky just kind of creepy i thought that the guy was a ghost because the way he kept turning up was just like horrifying mm-hmm. he just like popped in and out of places yeah like it. was that supposed to imply that like he can maneuver around the house without the boards creaking because the insects are like making them not creak Maybe. Well, how could you hear somebody creaking when fucking everything's creaking all the time? <laughs> but that was the thing is like they kept turning and he showed up completely silently. And that's why it was a surprise. This is Batman. Like oh, Batman. reverse Batman. Did uh, did he have to die? Could the mom have just like sucked the house like she did or sucked it down and taken care of all the bugs and he could like pull a Billy Madison and go do elementary school all over again? I I think he had to go. He was so messed up mentally that him leaving, he would have been so depressed. It just would not have worked for him. Yeah, because also I don't think he actually went out and lived in the world. Like a lot of it was just he was in the house and then when she needed energy, he went out to find people to kill. So find him some parents to adopt him. Hey, you're a nice 30 year old couple. Here's your This just in Sam approves of uh killing the mentally ill. <laughs> I, no, I I I agree just... though. I think that was like that was his life. He mm-hmm. lived his life for but that like, purpose. What more would he have done? There is one thing that made that scene really uncomfortable for me is when she started like pulling him in he started freaking out and was like, no, I don't want to. And it was like, it was like a child like screaming no. And then he's just fucking dead. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was like it, it got Michael dark. Myers alive for 40 years. <laughs> Can he just go <laughs> live in a psychiatric ward? That's like where he would have had to have been. He's killed how many people? Six times whatever. Yeah, but if you look at it a different way, you could say yeah, his mom did. But or his, no. No, <laughs> you could say yeah, his mom but... killed all those people. No, he went out and found these people to be murdered in the house. Yeah, but how are we... I guess, okay, so if they did let him go, how would you explain that to the authorities? I'm like, hey, this house over here, he's killed people in it by sucking them into the wood. <laughs> hey, Terry, I, I clearly the authorities don't give a shit because he killed four people and the authorities are like, huh? Four people disappeared. That but went then he would just house. go, did I, though? Look at these six kids. <laughs> They're alive. They're not dead. That was that was in the 90s. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's, like, you could kill a lot of people in the 90s. Yeah, it happened all, every day. Oh, well, then he's fine. <laughs> what do you think they did when they weren't, like, in between killings? Yeah, No, he, well, just, he just kept dinging his thing on the wall, and the bugs would come entertain him or something. It's like his dick. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they put on like a show. Maybe there's like a like a interpretive wall bug dance. Like the house looks super outdated, so they probably didn't have a lot of updated right. technology and things. Did they ever say why it's every twenty years or what happens in the interim? I wondered. I, I didn't just, remember that. It was just f- to feed them. Like every twenty years, he had to feed them. I, is what I yeah. got from it. But it had to be young people because the older they were, the less nutrients or energy, energy? they had. Yeah. yeah. Was there a process, though, like with the bugs? Like, how did she stay wood? <laughs> that was never explained. <laughs> so, how what did I know... start wood? Why did these bugs <laughs> make her wood? That's <laughs> right. the big thing. What the hell? So they turned her into wood. I assumed that every twenty years she'd need like a like a refinish or a re, whatever whatever the process was to turn her into wood. It would only last twenty years, and that's why put a new bugs, coat of varnish on. Essentially, that's how the bugs but, would have to be fed every twenty years. At first, I thought they have like a special relationship with wood because they're like. They can move in and out of the wood like they're like it's water. Like the doctor says they are like sharing molecules with it and they can pass through it. So it's like, oh, okay, they have they're like wood bugs. But then they also pass through that girl's shoe and grow like into her skin. Yeah. So it's like, well, they could just do this with anything. Why is that lady a tree? (laughs) Uh, Notice we didn't see the screwdriver. Doing screwdriver things, it was just a light in this one. Everything was wood. (laughs) I know. I wrote down (laughs) screwdriver's worst enemy. (laughs) And he does use it to scan uh David. Oh, the kit or the guy, yeah. Yeah. The guy. I really liked uh Bill's outfit and her whole look. Her hair looked wonderful in Yeah. That was the first thing I noticed when the episode started. If you gave me a thousand dollars, I couldn't tell you a single detail about either her hair or anything she was wearing. Oh my gosh. She had bibs and her shirt was like multicolored but with stripes and like the red on the sides was so fun. Like she looked really oh, look, exciting we're as red. a person. The yeah, her hair was tight back in a bun, but it had bangs out the front, right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember things. Uh-oh. How about the guy who kept hitting on her? That was enjoyable. What else has he been in? Is this like a fun fact or something? Because it is driving me insane. I know he's in something else. It is nice in a sci-fi show or just any show for someone to be like, oh, sorry, I'm gay. And for the other person to just be like, oh, sweet. All right. Never mind. Instead of like like, taking personally or being a dick about it. I was like, oh, so I never had a chance. Cool. Yeah, as long as I I can still boost my ego, like, I'm solid. It was so funny. (laughs) It was great. That was really creepy when he got in the room and he was, like, faking everything, and then it was, like, not faking. And that's when everything really started. That was a good start to the spoopy. But isn't that, like, classic uh, scary movie stuff where there's always that guy who's just like, oh, no, I'm being murdered. Yeah. And then, like, <laughs> is actually being murdered. Really, 
there's always the yeah. really goofy guy who like nobody takes seriously so when something does happen he's crying wolf or if it was a different kind of horror movie it would have been a couple in there getting murdered and everybody like god they'd never stop fucking <laughs> <laughs> At the very end, when the doctor and Bill are in that room with uh, David Suchet and his mom, uh, they rattle off everything that's happened. It's just a lot of exposition. And then Bill asks the doctor what the plan is, and he says, no plan, info dump, then busk. And I like that it's like a meta thing where they're just saying, oh, we just, this is the part of the episode where we do the info dump. Oh, it's like self-aware kind of thing? Yeah, the doctor actually says it out loud. <laughs> like yeah. This is the info part where we've had no idea what was going on. We just spent two minutes just telling you. And now, resolution time. Why is it called... Why was there knocking? Why is it knock-knock? Because when they like knocked on the door and then there was a knock back, what was knocking? It was and the bugs. why was it knocking? Bugs were knocking. That's one of those why? bad bits. Because yeah, it's but okay, but that's what they named the episode. I think that's what they like when the writers sat down and was like, I'm gonna write an episode. That's what they started with. Like they okay, it's gonna be creepy. And what do people find creepy? Like knocks and creaks in a house. Okay, this is my baseline. And then she or he, I, I don't remember, went off of that. It it seems kind of forced. Well, it's also uh misdirect. Like if you call it scary bugs then you know what the episode's about so you call it knock knock you have the beginning scary bits be knocking in the walls and then you abandon it and reveal what the monster actually is right but that wasn't really the question if we're talking about like what's knocking and it's bugs in the wall that like bugs don't knock well but they make sense you don't all bugs Bugs, <laughs> those those bugs also are responding to sound like with his tuning fork and stuff and so yeah. if they're knocking on the wall, like they would reply back like they, they were with the tuning fork. So maybe since it wasn't a steady tone like the tuning fork and it was just a knock, like they just knocked back. You know, that, that's, that's true. They that could was my, just be mimicking sound. Yeah. I like where but this they, is going. I just want didn't... you to explain to me how a bug knocks. How does and a they... bug go through wood? Like <laughs> it's sci-fi, Cody. They didn't mimic the singing or the sounds they didn't make the same noise as the tuning fork so the knocking just doesn't make sense yeah but they mimic the sound of no, scratching yeah, critters they are scratching critters they're are little they? bugs have you ever had a bug in a wall i've lived with bugs in my walls i know what it sounds like uh that's you asked why why the bugs knock and it's because it's scary that's the only answer you need thank you that is the only answer i wanted I also figured out where I knew Paul from. He's in Gallivant as the jester. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. I saw that and I was going to write it down specifically for you guys. And then I couldn't be bothered because I don't give a shit. (laughs) Okay. I just remembered what I was going to ask you guys. This, the kind of crux of the beginning of this is that Bill's trying to live her own life outside of the TARDIS. So she tells the doctor, like, this part of my life doesn't have you in it, is a line somewhere in this episode. And that's been consistent in the Moffat era. Like, Amy and Rory eventually got to that point where he was just going and picking them up once in a while. And then Clara was like that the whole time. That's very new to the show and is really just a Moffat thing. It didn't happen in RTD. It didn't happen in Classic. I was just wondering what you guys thought about that trope of, like, a characteristic of Moffat's companions. I think it helps the like the the audience watching it connect a little bit more. Like it, it just feels more real, you know, if they're real people having real lives on top of this fantastical adventure they're on. I do like the real people part of it, but also I miss just like the TARDIS shenanigans. Like it I don't know. It it felt nice when the companion like lived in the TARDIS as well, like when that was their life. And we don't see as much of that, it doesn't seem. It's really hard to answer, but I think I really lean on the side of, no, I don't want it. If you compare it to RTD, like his companions had family on Earth, which was new in Doctor Who also. Like 
apart from very rare exceptions, classic companions, we never went back to Earth and visited their family. They were on the TARDIS the whole time. And Moffat's just using that same... So, like, RTD was using the families to tell the Earthbound ep- or stories, because then we have, like, an anchor on Earth where we can begin those stories from. And Moffat's just using the companion to do that. And, you know, like... uh you know, this one, you need to be in a haunted house. Well, why would you be in a house? Well, our companion lives in a house on Earth like a normal fucking person instead of in the TARDIS. I like the way that it's done with, like, Rory and Amy. And I'm, like we talked about at the beginning of this episode, it just kind of feels like Bill is using him. Just in this episode, it hasn't felt like that before, but I didn't like that dynamic. I like the idea of the companion having their own life and because otherwise just constantly going on adventures like you need to sleep you need to eat like and get your bearings and if you're constantly off everywhere all the time you're gonna lose like a sense of rhythm or like a home base if you will and again she is a young companion uh that she's trying to identify who she is in her life at this point in time. And like finding her independence is kind of key to her character. I feel so I like what's going on. Also, she has a unique relationship with the doctor in that she knew him on a personal level for maybe a year before they ever went on an adventure. She even knew that was a thing. So her like asking him to help her move might not be as strange and we had Matt Smith telling Clara she can't keep using the TARDIS because she missed an episode of her favorite show. <laughs> I think uh, kind of back to what Sam had said, I-, I think the Pond era maybe did it the best because it started out as Amy running from her wedding, like just being in the TARDIS with the Doctor, being adventure all the time. And then at the end, it was... Uh, her and Rory living their life, but then also helping the doctor or going on these random ad hoc adventures throughout their own lives. So it was kind yeah. of a transition. It wasn't yeah, one there's or the a other. whole season where after they did get married, which was, you know, that impending wedding was like our anchor to earth. Mm-hmm. After after the wedding, there's a whole season where it's just the two of them on the TARDIS. Like you say they have to sleep they had a bedroom that's referenced and they have dvds and they talk about living inside the tardis like it's a house and then at the end of that season the doctor literally just gives them a house and it's like okay you live here now and then the rest of their time on the show you know is starting from earth yeah if i could uh question something uh, hold yeah. on, Sam. Are we open for? Questions? We are now open for questions. You got to get out on the on the mic more. Okay. Um, what did everyone think of the vault scene at the end? Yes, I want to know what everyone thinks it is. High depth intrigue, maximum intrigue. I think it's a time lord. For the record, one we know or one we don't. Don't. When we know it's the master and it's Missy, she's right there. Right, is the master back? Yeah, definitely not dead. There's been a lot of clues about Susan in this season. Who's that? <laughs> Her <laughs> mom. Who's mom? No, what? The doctor's granddaughter. Oh, oh. is that who <laughs> it is? <laughs> the... Listen to a podcast called strangers in space where this season they had convinced themselves that it was Susan in there because <laughs> it's like this episode kind of shorted up for them because Bill's constantly referring to him as her grandfather. Oh. And so there's like making a lot of references to grandfatherliness. Susan was the other picture on his desk nest next to river. Oh yeah. That's her. Yeah. Oh, that's gotcha. I want it to be river, but I'm assuming it's not. That's kind of what I thought. Like originally, I thought it was a like a bad guy prisoner, but then in, like he's he even opens the vault to go in and have lunch with them. And it's just like what the and hell? So now I'm wondering piano. if it's not like a vault just for protection of like so they don't go rampant crazy on their own. Like they just can't control themselves. 
So I could see why Missy would be in there, but... Who would he want to protect? Well, Missy. Do you think he's protecting or containing? Protecting. Hmm. I think we find out... Like, it doesn't take till the end of the season. It's in the middle. I think maybe three more episodes, maybe four. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is dragging it on. Well, they're real good at communicating with piano. True. Do you want to do tweets? Nah, we'll skip tweets this time. <laughs> Fun facts! Like, Tweet, 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 tweet. So uh, I ask our Twitter friends if they have any thoughts they want to share on this episode. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at Married to Who Pod. Uh, before I read the responses that from people who have actually seen it, our friend Matt over at the Neither Time Nor the Space podcast said, if this episode contains the joke, knock, knock. Who's there? The doctor, <laughs> Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, and this man. will be the exact moment I check out of the show. Stop watching it. Yes, I can see him saying that too. That's really funny. <laughs> That's good. And we didn't good, get it. We, good news. He gets to I, keep watching. We got close. The doctor said knock, or who's there a couple times after knocking. <laughs> jury of one at jury of 11 says, fun, simple episode. Great chemistry with Mackie and Capaldi. As always, Suchet is great. And he switches from comically evil landlord to scared little boy at the end. I like the supporting cast in this one and love the running gag of 12's insecurity over how old he looks. Passion Fruit sent a jar candle at B underscore bird underscore moth said, has good moments, but pretty forgettable in an amazing season. Where's the amazing? I don't fucking know, man. Everyone loves it. The finale is coming. The finale has always been pretty good. So is pretty good equivalent to amazing now? Yeah, well, hey, at minimum, it's approaching escape velocity to amazing. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's stuff coming up that people really like. Yeah, Jake doesn't think this season's pretty good. We're friends with Jake, so clearly... No, I think it's, I think it's fine. But uh, if I was to like list all of Moffat's seasons, this would be either bottom or second from the bottom. And for a lot of people, it's top. Uh, Ode underscore Ollie at Ode underscore Ollie says, I do love it when Who does horror, so I really like the creepiness of this app, even if I don't think it's as creepy as it was advertised to be. But the take on a classic haunted house with a creepy caretaker is amazing. The idea that, that the doctor gets involved just because the house sounds wrong and he can't resist the mystery is brilliant. I love when there's no obvious threat. It's just the doctor being curious. I love David Suchet as any Poirot fan does. Really hoping Terry loved it. So I absolutely loved him in this. He plays the kindly old man so well and turns sinister so quickly. Not outright scary, but very creepy. And his scenes with Eliza and his emotional breakdown are both affecting and so creepy. The scenes between him and the Doctor are incredible, especially when the question of saving loved ones comes up. The Dryads are again fitting with this series' theme of monsters that aren't actually evil, and that idea still works so well. And I love how enthusiastic the Doctor gets about them before they swarm the... Before they swarm. Before they swarm. (laughs) The Vault mystery gets very intriguing in this, with the Doctor having put a piano in there, and the excitement at hearing about young people being eaten really gave fuel to the fan theories. And the use of Pop Goes the Weasel is surprisingly creepy when it comes from the vault. Did we know that the vault had a person in it? Well, it just, so the last episode, it just knocked. Oh. It knocked, but I thought it was also like, uh, they were conversing with it, like they you were actually having a conversation with it, rather than just going like, ah, this vault of cash. (laughs) I was super disappointed when, at the beginning, he goes, is that Chinese food? I love Chinese food. And then at the end, he brings in those bags of food. He's like, I got Mexican food. (laughs) First of all, there is no good Mexican food in the UK. So, gross. There's no second of all. Yeah, I was taken so aback when he said Mexican. Wait, pull up. 
I was just so sure it was Chinese food. I was disappointed. Odali continues. I might be spoiling a fun fact here. He's not because I didn't write it down. <laughs> but the cut reference to who Harry's grandfather is was wonderful. And I would have loved for them to have left it in. I really hope you're loving the series so far. The best is still yet to come. Very excited for you to get there. So what he's referencing is there's a scene that was shot and then cut. I think it was shot. It was at least in the script where it was revealed that Harry is the grandson of Harry Sullivan, one of the fourth doctor's companions. And then he says in a line later that his grandfather and his boyfriend went to the Great Wall of China and stole a piece of it or got arrested for trying to steal a piece of it. So not only would it have been revealed that Harry Sullivan had a grandchild, but it also would have revealed that he was uh, LGBT. Oh, well, the China wall thing was in there. But it, if they had included the previous line as well, oh, gotcha, it gotcha. would have said something about a character that we've known for 40 years. And I'm sure all those not my doctor nuts would have gone fucking crazy. And <laughs> uh, my show. They already did that enough when Bill, there's a, a lot of talk during this about Bill, like constantly bringing up the fact that she's gay. And then there's this person on Twitter who I can't remember that did like this study on how many times all of the other companions reference their sexuality. And it's like 19 times an episode. It's all the fucking time. <laughs> Chris at this emo trash says, I have a test for the marrieds. Name literally any of Bill's flatmates. Oh. Now, I've been saying names a lot because I, for some reason, remember them. Henry. Sh- nope. Shasha. Nope. Sheena. Nope. Sherry. Nope. Um, also, wasn't it Harry, not Henry? <laughs> is that yeah. what it is? Is Harry? But also, like, I just said it in telling that story, so that's not fair. And the only other one I know is Shireen, Shireen. because I wrote her I wrote her down in my fun facts. Chris goes on, I can't, and I just finished watching the episode. <laughs> Preach. Alien cockroaches, that's what we're dealing with this week. Someone call the Daleks because I think they need an exterminator. Oh. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> that's that great. That's great. Chris goes on. I don't have much to say about this one because I just really don't care. There are no consequences to this episode apart from Bill and her friends losing a few hundred pounds in their deposit. Bill's flatmates are completely boring and unmemorable. They even made David Suchet boring. Now that's unforgivable. I hate being negative about Doctor Who, but you could literally only watch the final minute and a half of this episode and you wouldn't be missing anything important. Maybe I'm in the minority of my opinion here. Hopefully the Marrieds enjoyed it more than I did. Thankfully, next week starts a run of four amazing episodes. Disagree. So at least we have that to look forward to. <laughs> oh, no. The dichotomy. I think it starts a run of two all right ones and two shitty ones. Oh, no. Oh, no. Who's David Suchet? He's Poirot. Yeah. In Poirot. And he was that the show you uh, son in this. Yeah, he's the old guy. Cindy, Poirot. not that. We talked about this last week, Sam. And I still don't care about it. Then why are you asking? Because <laughs> I still don't understand who it is. Okay, Agatha Christie wrote books. 73 of them were about this detective called Poirot. Got it. The BBC made a TV show where every episode was a 90-minute production based on one of those books. It went from 1983 to 2005. Poirot. Uh, P-O-I-R-O-I-T. My brain. He's Belgian. <laughs> That's all right. We'll just watch it all when you're back up. Here. No, thanks. I've seen one of them and it was awesome. Just show her the movie that just came out. That isn't David Suchet. <laughs> yeah. Also, Capaldi was in one of the Poirot episodes, so you would enjoy oh, it. Oh, I'm sure. Cindy, not that Cindy at Needs More Yarn says she can relate to this story trying to balance the number of people who can contribute to rent with the number of people who can fit into a house. Finding a place that seems better than it is. At least we ended up not signing. Whew. 
in this ep, everybody lives, except David Suchet and his long dead mother. <laughs> they were on borrowed time. Alex, give me that fun facts theme song. Fun facts, fun facts. Give us the fun facts. I should say Cindy, not that Cindy, is the co-host of the We React podcast. So check it out. Fun fact. That's a fun fact. Shireen refers to 11 Cardinal Road as a freaky Scooby-Doo house. The episode was partly filmed on location on the same property used for Western Drumlins in Blink, in which a character also refers to that place as a Scooby-Doo house. Wait, that was the same house as Blink? Parts of it. Oh, cool. Mandeep Dillon was Shireen. She was Lieutenant Garan in The Rise of Skywalker. I should say, I like to look at all the actors to see if they've been in Doctor Who before or if they've been in Star Wars, Game of Thrones, or Harry Potter, or anything else that shoots in London at uh, that one studio. What's the f- why? I can always remember it when we're not recording, and now I can't remember the name. Pinewood Studios. Alice Huken played Felicity. She was also a white in the Game of Thrones episode, The Children. Spooky. So yeah, one of the girls was called Allison, I guess. I think she was the one who was eaten by a tree outside. Does it narrow it down? Yeah, it does. <laughs> She's the one that got outside, yeah. Uh, Alex, give me that MVP theme song. Alex, who's your MVP? I'm gonna give it to. Uh, but who's your MVP? <laughs> well, yes and yes, the Boro guy. <laughs> Sam. Uh, landlord guy, yeah. Jill. David Schmammer. <laughs> Nailed it. Cody. The Suchet dude. <laughs> <laughs> Terry. David Suchet. Wow. Oh, he's getting it. He Googled it for sure. <laughs> we just spent half an hour talking about how Terry's obsessed with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As if it was going to go any other way. Yeah. And uh, I'll go with Capaldi. He was he was just so good. Like that, the, the first time we see him get angry, like that 180 turn when the kid asks about the, the how to get in the tower, that was so chilling. And it was like two seconds, like, very oh god, yeah. So good. It was from but... that to the emotional scene that did it for yeah. me. Yeah. Honestly, I wish he was in more of this episode. Yeah. Like, he just needed to be a stronger character all around too, but he was so good. Anyone have a favorite line they didn't get to say while we were chatting? It's not a favorite line, but I it made me think like when they were writing this, how how well, I mean, nowadays in like 2020 world it's kind of dark, uh, but it was when they're confronting them up in the tower. It's like, what's the point of living if you can't go out and be with people and live life? And it's like, yes. <laughs> you're telling everybody to just shut down now <laughs> because you actually I can't do that. About that. I was like, this is so relatable to today. Yeah. Except the solution in the episode was to kill yourself and you shouldn't do that. I'm really glad you brought that up because, yeah, I thought that exact same thing i really liked uh when bill did say uh like i just don't fancy you like i lean towards girls more and he's like oh great i didn't have a chance at all sweet and just like kept going yeah i also liked <laughs> See, his little hand Jake, like I grab didn't say that no i said that yeah jake said that someone said that i think alex jake. said it no it wasn't me someone said it it definitely wasn't sam <laughs> Let's do a playback. Play, play it back. Play it back. Play it back. We. It's not like we record this or anything. Ooh, my favorite line was "Your silence is a confirmation." Oh yeah. Ooh. I actually did think about that line after he said it. I like the line right before that, where he's like, "If your loved one is dying, to what lengths would you go?" 
Tarn. I also noted in that that he specifically says loved one because he's not come to terms with what their actual relationship is, which I will repeat doesn't fucking matter. Truth. Yeah. Yeah. To the story, just said from the matter. beginning, it was his mom who fucking cares, <laughs> except they need some emotional reveal to make the mom see the error of her ways. But that could have been done in a way that was well, interesting. I think it was more of the mom just didn't realize how much time had passed. She had to come to terms with the fact that she was the authority figure and that she had to make a decision up until that point. She was reliant on her guardian. And when she realizes he's not her guardian and in fact, she should be taking care of him. Then she like snaps to attention like, oh, I've been neglecting my duties as a mother. It's time for me to step up. See, if they just said that, this would have been good. (laughs) You should have hired right for the BBC. (laughs) It is now time for everybody's favorite podcast game. The Dr. Trivia Pursuit slash Doug Betts a movie game game. In this game, I will ask five questions from the Dr. Trivia Pursuit. Each one of these nerds will get a chance to go first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. If the first person gets it wrong, the second person gets four multiple choice. If they get it wrong, the next person gets to guess from the remaining options and so on and so on. I have ahead of time randomly selected the order and it is Terry, Sam, Alex, Jill, Cody. Terry, are you ready? Absolutely. What was the name of the tourist bus that Biff, Val, and Jethro Crane were aboard in the story Midnight? Sorry, say that all again. You can edit it out. All right. In the episode Midnight, they're all on a bus on the planet Midnight. What's the name of that bus? Wow, I, I, I truly have no idea. You uh, shouldn't. Thank you. <laughs> so I shall call it uh, Blueberry Road. All right, Sam. Here are your four multiple choice. They are all synonyms of each other. So you will be just guessing. Is it Crusader 50, Advocate 50, Knight 50, or Evangelist 50? Sorry, my phone's really far away. It's got hard to see. Crusader 50. Uh, yeah, that's it. Nice. Wow. Nice. One for Sam. Salmon <laughs> is now your turn. Salmon is now your turn to go first. What is the name of the newsreader beamed into the cars on the motorway when the doctor and Martha visit New New York in five million or five billion fifty three? Jenny. Close, but you're way off. <laughs> Alex, your options are Trinity Wells, Wendy Clifton, Natalie Hamilton, Sally Calypso. Sally Calypso. That is correct. Nice. They all are names of newsreaders in Doctor Who. Oh. Alex, it's now your turn to go first. What is the name of the sentient asteroid on which the patchwork people live? Patchwork people. Bender. (laughs) That's all I could think of is that Futurama episode. (laughs) Jill, what is the name of the sentient asteroid in which the patchwork people live? Your options are Uncle, House, Bowie, Nephew. I want to say Nephew. Are you? Yeah. Cody. House. It's House. Really? Say say that say say the question again. <laughs> what is the name of the sentient asteroid in which the Patrick people live? Oh, the people that take other people's limbs and then sew them on. It's yeah. too it's too late. I I heard sentient astronaut, and that's what I was thinking of. And I was like, <laughs> okay, was there like an episode where someone had an alien on them or something? I don't know. Anyway, from. The doctor's uh, wife. This makes sense yeah, now. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. what it is. And the people who lived on it were uncle, auntie, mm-hmm. nephew, and... Is nephew Shit, Ood? What was her name? Yeah, nephew's a Ood. Okay. The lady just had a normal name. Susan. So Sam has one. Alex has one. Cody has one. Uh, Jill, it is your turn to go first. In the event of emergency program one becoming active... What would the TARDIS do once it reached Earth? Explode? 
That, that seems rude. <laughs> I mean, technically, it did, right? <laughs> Cody, your options are return to its original coordinates, blend in with its surroundings, die, conserve power. Blend in with its surrounding. Terry. God damn it. Return to its original coordinates. Sam. Uh, can you repeat the answers? Return to original coordinates. Blend in with its surroundings. Die. Conserve power. Conserve power. Alex. <laughs> of course it dies. It's the last thing. Yeah. It's yeah, the doctor says just let the TARDIS die. Yeah, it's too powerful to be in anyone else's control. Look at me, I'm Alex. I know everything Doctor Who. I <laughs> if I had the question originally, I would have said flown into the sun. Like wasn't that part of an episode, like one of the protocols? No. No? All right. All right, so Sam has one, Alex has two, Cody has one. Cody, this is your question, your chance to tie Alex. In Army of Ghosts, what does the bazoolium gift that Rose gives her mom predict when it changes temperature? Go fuck yourself, Jake. <laughs> this is the new Trivial Pursuit, isn't it? No. <laughs> is this the one with the gelf? Or not? What does it predict? That Rose will turn into Bad Wolf. <laughs> Terry, your multiple choice are, does it predict the lottery, the weather, the stock market, or the match scores? And it has to do with changing temperature? Is that what the question was? In Army of Ghosts, what does the bazoolium gift that Rose gives her mom predict when it changes temperature? I, uh, I'll just pick the obvious one, weather. That's correct. Nice. Oh, shit. Yay! <laughs> Handing Alex the victory. Hooray! <laughs> the all-knowing. I think that's right. like the 800th time I've been third in line, though. It's, it's a really <laughs> soft spot to be. Well, this one had a lot of questions that went pretty deep. Yeah, you, yeah. You, Terry, you got it on the fourth one. Like, you deserve that. <laughs> All right. So, Terry, Sam, and Cody, I have a perfect tiebreaker for you guys to see who gets second place. If it's dates, Dave, you throw that card away. Are you ready? All right. How tall are the silence? Seven foot, six, seven eight. one, seven two, seven three, six, seven ten, four, seven five, six, seven six, seven seven, seven eight, seven nine, seven ten, seven eleven, six Cody, eleven, eleven, six ten, six nine, six eight, five They're nine, five ten, five eleven, five twelve, six eight, one, two, three, six, four, five, six, six, six. What if it's something weird that's what like is it? Five gave you the head start, still gets a point. Did I not get that low? I didn't think they were that short. Nah, you started at like seven feet. Yeah, I thought that they were tall. But the thing about seven feet is that's like that's like really tall. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's like they the look really tall. Well, six five is is really tall. Not well. I mean, okay, not we also really. have to think that they're in relation to Clara, who is also really <laughs> tiny. They're in relation to Amy, dumbass. I was say, I don't think so. <laughs> who's really tall? Alex, give me that paper curl boot theme song. In Married to Who's episode on Knock Knock. Uh, if you want to participate with us in our social medias, you can do so at Married to Who pod on Twitter, Married to Who on Instagram. You can email us, Married to Who at gmail.com. If you want to listen to our podcast in some different way, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. You can also listen to all of our episodes on our website, Married to Who.com. I'm back to myself, Jake, Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex, and producer Terry. Thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time for Oxygen.